from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Money Movers, welcome back to Money Moves, the daily podcast determined to give you the keys to the kingdom of financial stability, wealth, and abundance. Today's guest is an attorney, nonprofit founder, and children's book author. He is currently a running candidate for the Georgia Attorney General seat. Money Movers, please welcome to the podcast, Christian Wise Smith. Hi, Christian. Hey, how's it going? Thank you for having me. This is a tremendous opportunity, and I'm honored to be talking to you and everybody watching the show. Thank you. Well, welcome so much to our podcast at Money Moves. We are very intentional about educating our listeners and our audience on the best ways to build generational wealth and educate our families. And I think politics is, you know, a line that sometimes people are very afraid to toe. But I think what we've seen in the past couple of years in terms of these social justice movements, we have all realized the power that we have as individuals to influence politics and how that in turn can influence the wealth that we are building in our houses. So I am so excited to have you here to share more on what the importance of this role of attorney general and a little bit more of your journey. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I want to start at the beginning. I want to know a little bit more, more about you, Christian. I want you to, your story is very inspiring. So tell us what sort of got you here to this point where you're running for this coveted attorney general seat. Well, I was originally uh, grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, it's where I was born and raised. And I like to say that I grew up in a justice system. Mm-hmm. You know, when I look back on my earliest childhood memory, uh, the first thing I can come up with is seeing my mother get arrested when I was about five. And 
you know, she got arrested a few times throughout my childhood. And I was with my grandmother once and actually saw her get, you know, stripped down to her underwear and arrested in front of me. And I grew up seeing, you know, a lot of my family members and friends struggle, you know, going through the system. I have an uncle who's serving a life sentence right now for murder. Um, my mother actually lost custody of me when I was 16. And I made some bad decisions myself. I got kicked out of school when I was 17. And I really thought my life would be like everything I saw growing up. You know, I never imagined myself sitting, you know, in a, in a seat like this with the opportunity to speak to people like you. You know, I overcame a lot just to finish high school. But thankfully, I did. And I became the first in my family to graduate from college. Then I went on to get a master's degree and then ultimately a law degree. And so, you know, being an attorney wow. and, and being in uh, the political space now, you know, I think stories like mine are relatable to so many people, not just in the state of Georgia, but across the country. People who have overcome adversity, you know, people who have had it tough and people who, who kind of want to, you know, have that rags to riches kind of story. Uh, you know, and I, and I tell my story for that reason in hopes of inspiring and showing people that, hey, if I can do it, you can do it, we can do it. And, uh, you know, thank you for, again, for the opportunity to share. it. You know, and I mean, that just, I'm sure resonates with so many people who are listening. You know, we've, you know, your story where you've overcome these obstacles in your family home, watching your mother, I mean, that is heart-wrenching. But then to see you sitting here being like, I've now got a master's and a law degree and I've dedicated sort of your life to changing the lives of so many others in Georgia. So we appreciate that so much. Talk about now, okay, you went to law school, you got this master's and you started a practice and here you are running for like a very big political seat. What made you wanna take this route and go into politics? It starts back in 2013. So my first attorney job, I was an assistant prosecutor in a city of Atlanta mm. in Mr. Court. I had a 17-year-old kid who had been arrested for marijuana. And when I saw him, you know, it was like I was looking in a mirror. I, I was seeing myself at that age. And he was in court with his mom. And, and I remember asking him where he saw himself in 10 years. And he said, I want to play in the NFL. And, you know, growing up the way I did, you know, a lot of my friends, myself, we had dreams like that. You know, I, I think that a lot of, you know, black young men from inner cities, you know, one mm -hmm. of the things that we we tend to dream toward our, our sports or entertainment careers. And so, you know, I made him aware that a drug conviction would prevent him from going to college uh, to play football. You can't get finan federal financial aid if you have a drug conviction. So on the spot, uh, I created a diversion program for him. I said, if you complete these conditions within this amount of time, I'll throw out your case so that you have the opportunity to, you know, live the life that you say you want to wow. live. I mean, I don't know if this is the right term, but those small mercies that, you know, as someone in a position of power can afford on somebody else are life changing, like life changing. You literally change this kid's life. And have you ever kept in touch with him? Where is he now? Definitely. And, and if I can, I got to tell this part of the story. So yeah. before I took that job, I, I was a little hesitant because, you know, my background, my family, we only knew the justice system from the opposite side. So I actually spoke to one of my little cousins who served four years in prison from age 19 to 23. And I said, hey man, you know, what do you think about me taking this job? 
And he said, because of our background, you will be able to relate to people you mm. see through the system and you will be able to help them get on the right track. And so, you know, going back to the Justin story in 2014, his mother emailed me and said, thank you for giving my son a chance. He's playing football at a junior college in Oklahoma and doing great in the classroom. In 2015, she called me, said, hey, thanks again. He transferred to the University of Tennessee. Just wanted to say thank you. Uh, 2016, she called again and said, hey, man, you got to come to a game. We wouldn't be here without you. So I went up to a game that year, 2017, his senior year. I went to three of his games. But, you know, the coolest part about this story is that in the spring of 2018, I went up to Knoxville and saw him get a bachelor's degree in communications from the University of Tennessee. So the kid's name is Justin Martin. I still talk to him a lot. He was at my wedding. Wow. Uh, That's an incredible story, Christian. That's beautiful. Really, really. He was like a little brother now. So we keep in touch a lot. Yes, ma'am. So this also speaks to the importance of these, like, I mean, you're a civic servant. You are in a position of power that can change the life of so many people. And especially in our community, we know that criminal justice reform is so important and having the right people in power can really change the face of an entire community. Can you talk to me about your thoughts on criminal justice reform and how that ties into what your role would be if you get the position of attorney general? So I really take to heart the the words and the original founding document of our country, which wasn't the Constitution, it was the Declaration of Independence, mm -hmm. 1776, 246 years ago. And in that document, it said that, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Well, we know that throughout the history of our country, you know, we haven't lived up to that. Mm -hmm. And particularly, you know, Black and Brown and minority in a criminal justice space specifically, have always gotten the short end of the stick. And so having been a prosecutor for seven years and being on the inside of the system and seeing how the system really cared about conviction rates and fine money, and it, the system really perpetuated the, the system of recidivism or repeat offending mm -hmm. as we know it. So two years ago, I ran for district attorney in Fulton County in Atlanta. And I said, hey, we need we need to put a stop to this. And it, it takes someone like me who understands what happens on the other side of it to be able to go in and say, you know, instead of locking everybody up for every offense, you know, why don't we get some services for people if they're suffering from mental health disabilities? Why don't we get treatment for people if they have substance addiction problems? Why don't we line people up with job opportunities and educational opportunities, maybe if they've dropped out of high school? Or, or, or having on hard times. Because if we put somebody in jail and they can't make bail, they're sitting there before they've even been convicted of anything, they'll lose their house, they'll yep. lose their job. And once you lose everything, once you get out and you have nothing, a lot of times you commit a crime to survive. Right, a lot of survival, yeah. 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 A lot of crimes that we see are survival crimes. You know, I'm not talking about the rapes and the murders and the, that's different. Yeah. You know, the nonviolent, I would say, low level crimes where people were literally trying to survive, you know, we can change it or reform the system to make it better for folks like that. And I have proof. I went out to Seattle, Washington in 2018, and they created a program out there called LEAD, Law Enforcement Assistant Diversion. But they only focus on two offenses, uh, sex crimes or prostitution 
and drug possession. So if anybody, if police encounter anybody, you know, with those two things, instead of the traditional route of prosecution, jail, courts, they try to align those people with services to help them break out of those lifestyles and, yeah. and live better lives. And so they had over 500 success stories by the time I visited the program in 2018. Wow. I mean, 500, that's a lot of people's lives that are changed. That's a lot of individual lives and family lives yeah. and community lives. And, you know, once those people have jobs and they have housing, you know, property rates increase if you don't have crime on the streets. Uh, school system ratings go up when pop property values increase. So it's all a, a, a cycle that's connected. And the criminal justice system is in the center of that. And we've been using our resources, in my opinion, the wrong way for too long. Uh, and I have to be candid. You, you go back to, I guess, the foundation of how our criminal justice system came to be. It all stemmed from slave patrols mm -hmm. so after, you know, Emancipation Proclamation and after Juneteenth, uh, once all black people were free, we saw these things start to spring up called black codes. And what black codes did was allowed poor blacks, which were the majority of us at the time, to be arrested for things that they called vagrancy laws. That meant poor living conditions. Well, if you just got kicked off of a plantation and you had nowhere to go. You didn't have the means to be. Exactly. Anywhere else, yeah. And a lot of black folks who fought in the Civil War, who were, were armed in the Civil War, black codes also allowed for them to be stripped of their the weapons they had from fighting in the war. So you started to see a lot of these folks put back on plantations or put back into this is how the sharecropping system right. uh, started was, was all of these came out of black coats because there were no prisons at that time. So they went back into involuntary labor. And then if you know you fast forward throughout history, uh, I, I'll talk about the city of Atlanta. The city of Atlanta didn't see as far as black police officer, I want to say until around 19, around the 1950s, somewhere in there. Wow. So you have over a hundred years of history where Everybody on the law enforcement side were typically white men who were trained in hunting black people who were escaped slaves. Yeah, right. And black code system. And, you know, it just it, it moves and moves and moves into what we have today, which is why we see so many cases of police brutality, uh, why we see high numbers of you know, black uh, and brown bodies in the system. And, you know, we need to start to, to do things about that to level the playing field for everybody, to really be the country we said we wanted to be, where all men are created equal. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. 
Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. So in this hotly contested race for attorney general, what are some of the other big ticket topics that are coming up? So it, most people, I don't think, really understand the power the attorney general has mm-hmm. in Georgia. So if I had to rank it, I would say the governor, you know, is the most powerful elected official in the state. Then the lieutenant governor is right underneath that. Then there's the attorney general. Because the attorney general uh, is able to both uh, work within the the criminal justice system and prosecute certain offenses. Uh, The the attorney general can hold local district attorneys accountable, police officers accountable. But the attorney general also has the ability to bring lawsuits on a civil side uh, against anybody who violates the citizens of the state of Georgia. So right now we see things like the Affordable Care Act mm-hmm. that a lot of Republicans tend to refer to as Obamacare. We see that being attacked. And so if we no longer have access to affordable health care, you'll see so many people struggle to be able to get, you know, pay for their medications, pay for treatments they need. The attorney general can step up and say, hey, I want to protect, you know. Oh, it's powerful. Yes, ma'am. And uh, so the attorney general can join forces with other attorneys general across the country. And collectively, you know, you can sue the federal government if you feel like laws coming down from the feds are unconstitutional. If you have a police agency within your state, uh, you can sue that police agency if they've shown practices of 
a police misconduct or police brutality. So there are a lot of things that the attorney general can do on both the- so Christian, I feel like you touched on something that's been a hot topic within, over the past couple of years. And you know, there's a lot of different ways you can phrase it where you're reallocating funds to police services or defunding the police. Can you tell us a little bit more? Because I think that there's a lot of different narratives on what that means. And from the perspective that you hold on how this could help or not the city of Atlanta and, and Georgia as well. So I, I prefer the term reallocate. I think we need to reallocate resources and funds and manpower. And an example I can give, let's take marijuana, for example. You know, marijuana is still illegal in the state of Georgia, mm -hmm. uh, but it, we're starting to see it be, become legalized in several other states. Well, medical marijuana has now been legalized, but marijuana, like recreational marijuana? Okay. Yes. Yes, but we're seeing other states start to issue pardons for past marijuana convictions. And so for people who live in the state of Georgia, you know, like the kid Justin, who I, you yeah. know, I told story about, he could have been someone convicted of that. But so, so here's what I mean when I say reallocate funds. Instead of having police officers and district attorney's offices investing into preventing or fighting those kinds of crimes, uh, we can have educational opportunities in place. And we can shift police officers and district attorneys from those low level, I would say, drug offenses to more serious crimes, like making sure we stop, you know, murders or, or, or gang yeah. crimes or, you know, the more serious offenses that endanger all of us. We can reallocate our resources and manpower to fight those things if we put the proper services in places for the things where people really just need help. And I mean, this is one of those topics that I feel like, you know, the average layperson like myself, we talk about all the time, especially with the decriminalization of marijuana. Is it that easy of a solution where it's like, oh, okay, you know, you've now voted this person into power. And if you decriminalize possession of marijuana, you know, under this weight, like we can then literally open up pardons for people in jail that have been sitting in jail for years. Is it that easy? So every state is different. So some states, the governor has the ability to uh, issue pardons. But in Georgia, there's a there's a board that does it. Mm -hmm. But it, it all depends on who we have in office, right? If we have state senators and state reps elected who want to decriminalize it, then we'll get that done. The city of Atlanta a few years ago, their city council, uh, they decided to decriminalize uh, possession under an ounce within the city of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. But you know, the state law trumps, you know, municipality law. So, you know, it, it, that's why voting is so important. Uh, and I know I may be jumping ahead of, of you in answering this question, but, you know, you want people in offices who have the same views that you have and who have views that are beneficial for all people across the board, you know, regardless of race, sexual orientation, political affiliation, background. You want people who want the best interest for all of us instead of you know, what we've traditionally seen is people in offices who only care about their pockets or their groups of people, and it ends up right. hurting so many other people. Oh, my goodness. You know, the power of the vote has become so much more. It's always been so important. It's something that, you know, our forefathers fought for. But I think of late, we've really started to realize how important every vote counts, not just at the highest level in terms of our president, but down to these municipal levels so that we can truly elect officials that are for us and represent, you know, each of us in the things that we care about and that are important to us. 
And we'll touch again on voting, but I want to ask you a little bit if you could talk about your nonprofit. I understand you have a nonprofit called the National Social Justice Alliance, and tell us a little bit more about its mission. So I ran for district attorney in 2020. We had, unfortunately, the George Floyd murder, Ahmaud Arbery was murdered, and Breonna Taylor was murdered. And having all three of those things happen you know, back to back to back while I was in the middle of running for office, I hit a point where I said, I, I have to speak up and use this 15 minutes I have because I'm a black man running for office you know, to, to lead a criminal justice system. And I really became vocal about the history of how black people were treated in the system and how district attorneys could do something about it. Most of the time when you hear police brutality, people focus on reforming the police. But the district attorney is the person who was able to hold police responsible for police brutality or any misconduct, just like they hold you and I responsible if we do something. So after that election um, and and thinking about how I could keep the conversation going around that, uh, the National Social Justice Alliance was born and the mission was to get as many local prosecutors from across the country to commit to you know, eliminating police brutality from our system and agreeing to hold police officers accountable if they cross the line, uh, agreeing to not take money, campaign money from police unions. Mm. Uh, the perception that you won't hold police accountable if you have money from them. And yes, district attorneys and police officers work together every day because the police officers, you know, they make the arrests and they make the cases and they bring them to the DAs. But you you don't work together like they're separate agencies and they should remain separate because the DA, you know, like I said, has the power to prosecute police. So that was the original mission of the of NSJA and how it was born. But now the mission is a little bit more broad where, you know, not only are we looking to work with DAs, but we're also working with kids and teaching them about more. That's great. That's fantastic. I really love, I mean, it's just such much needed work and we appreciate it because you are out there in the trenches. All right, Christian, as we wrap up this segment, I want to know, are there any future projects that you're currently working on? I read something about a media platform that will include a talk show based on politics and social justice. That sounds incredibly exciting. (laughs) So yes, I started a, a online show called Wise Up where the mission is to educate, motivate, and elevate. And we've had one big guest so far that was actor-comedian Desi Banks. Uh, he's a great, great friend, you know, great, you know, young entertainer coming up. He has so much heart and, and soul to do the right thing. And so, you know, the biggest project though right now is this campaign, you know, running for attorney general. I would be only the 12th Black uh, attorney general ever in U.S. history. Uh, the second black in the state of Georgia. We have had one before in Georgia. And so I need everybody listening, everybody watching uh, to support this campaign to help us get the word out, to let people know that we want to shake things up in a great way. Uh, the website for the campaign is wisesmith4ga.com. Okay. And we would love to have your support and, and help us become AG. But yeah, you know, we'll pick up the Wise Up show and have some some more special guests and some fun segments on there uh, about everything we've been talking about, about politics and voting and just encouraging and and inspiring, you know, black, brown, minority folks to uh, reach for the stars because we can oftentimes 
you know, because of the, the daily struggles in life, you know, it, it, sometimes it's not easy to see the sunlight. But uh, yes. you know, my mission is just to let people know, you know, the sun can shine on us, too, and we can help each other get into that sunshine. Well, I feel your light. Thank you so much, Christian, for coming to the Money Moves podcast. We appreciate you. We wish you the best of luck. And can you one more time let our audience know where they can find you on social media? Yes, ma'am. IG, it's at Christian Y. Smith, uh, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-W-I-S-E-S-M-I-T-H. On IG, Facebook is the same. My name, Christian Y. Smith. And then again, go to the campaign website, ysmith4ga.com. Ysmith4ga.com. All right, Money Movers, that's all the time we have for today. But make sure to follow Christian on all of his social media handles. And if we have helped you make your money move, please make sure to let us know by sending us a like, sharing the knowledge, and or leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Make sure you tune in Monday to Friday to the Money Moves podcast and subscribe to the Money Moves podcast powered by Greenwood so that you too can have the keys to financial freedom that you so rightly deserve. Thank you so much for tuning in, Money Moves audience. If you want more or a recap of this episode, please go to thebankgreenwood.com and check out the Money Moves podcast blog. Money Moves is an iHeartRadio podcast powered by Greenwood, executive produced by Sunwise Media Inc. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare it's brand new season two i'm marissa thalberg and i'm stephen wolf and we're excited to be back having bigger bolder and always real conversations Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.